Well, good morning. It's good to have you here this morning and joining us. And for those of us joining online, we're really thankful to have you here with us. A little shout out to Don and Lisa. I was talking with them, texting back from forth last night, and they've enjoyed being able to stay at home because of things. And also uh, Betty Joe and Stan down in Florida. So shout out to you and the many others that are joining us on stream and also in pre- present here. Well, it's 12 days since the election took place, and uh, let's keep cheers down, no cheers, no booze, no whatever, but it seems like Vice President Biden is president-elect. There's still some controversy with that, but President Trump is not conceded, of course, as you know that, but what a ride it has been. And then you watch the news and all that's going on. Uh, There's some of us that uh, have taken a break from the news and taken a break of social media. We just don't want to hear it. I've mentioned to seen some of you have done that, and that's great. And then there's some of us that can't get enough of it. And then there's some of us that are in between, and it just kind of rolls along, rolls along in our heart. And then when you throw COVID on top of it, it is just a heavy, heavy, crazy world that we live in. Yet what dominates our headlines, doesn't have to dominate our hearts. That doesn't mean we don't need to be aware of it. doesn't mean we don't need to be concerned of it. But we need to be aware of it. And those of us who would say we're people of faith actually have a moment in time to do all this craziness well. This is where you get to see how your faith is in your life. You get to see when the bottom of life drops out and there aren't many secure things. We sang about it. We get to see whether God really is our foundation or not. And for most of us, that's not an automatic uh, switch we switch or a lever we pull. We have to process through that. But the possibility of processing through it and not having those things, again, dominate our heart are absolutely possible for the Christ follower. And when I look through the scriptures and look through the Old Testament as we wrap up our series, uh, there is one individual to me, and I'm sure there's others, you could have your favorite, that is able to navigate craziness, political intrigue, better than any other person. And that would be Daniel. Daniel, if you know his story, uh, is is a... Young teen, uh, Jerusalem is wiped out. He's taken into captivity, goes through all kinds of testing, and some of us know those stories, and uh, is, is functioning and working. And then we come to this story when he's probably in his 80s. And some of us are familiar. We've gone to Sunday school, gone to Kids Zone. Some of us are familiar with this story. Even those of us who haven't had that a part of our history, who had a little storybook, have heard of Daniel in the lion's den. And a lot of us kind of have this image of Daniel in the lion's den. Stories of the Bible, Daniel in the lion's den. This is Daniel, who was a Jewish man who was taken to Babylon when he was very young. Daniel loved God and followed God's rules. He talked to God three times a day and asked God for help often. The officials went to Daniel's house and found him praying. Gotcha. They went by to the Babylonian king, could be overruled. So at last, the king gave orders for Daniel to be thrown into the lion's den. 
the king said to him, May your God, who you serve faithfully, rescue you. Then the lion's den was sealed shut with Daniel inside. And very early in the morning, the king hurried to the lion's den. He called out, Hey, Daniel! Was your God able to rescue you from the lions? And Daniel answered, Long live the king! My God sent his angel to shut the lions' mouths so that they would not hurt me, for I have been found innocent in his sight. The king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be taken out of the lion's den. Then the king ordered the men who had schemed against Daniel to be thrown into the lion's den as punishment. Daniel was safe. There was not a scratch on him, for he trusted in God. And a lot of us uh, know that story and think, oh, isn't that sweet? We see Daniel petting the baby lion and all that kind of stuff. But I hate to ruin the story for you. It was, it was not like that. Yes, there's truth in there. But really, that story, if it was told in its strength and in intensity, wouldn't be a good bedtime story for most kids. Because we understand that lions are uh, much more ferocious. Oh, yeah, Jeff than Lynn, that. talk about things not to do. This is a safari park in Eastern Europe, and it lets their guests get a little too close to one of nature's most powerful animals. Oh my! That lion could have grabbed one person by the neck, just almost in playing, and snapped their neck. Too close for comfort. A full-grown lion climbing on board a golf cart at a safari park in Crimea, just south of the Ukraine. The video going viral as the lion climbs on board behind the driver, pushing him out of the seat and stretches out. Passengers reaching forward to pet the animal. Once the lion gets pushed out of the car, he continues his cuddle rampage, climbing back on board, walking over passengers and trying to lick some of them. Despite what may look like a good time, Zoo Miami says is actually beyond wrong. And people looking at this video are initially going to think, oh, that's cute, that's wonderful, how exciting. That is, at the very best, irresponsible, at the worst, negligent, even criminal. And this opinion. video is insanity. It's a horrible example of being irresponsible with wildlife. So the experts ruin it all, don't they? Don't do that. Don't do that. Lions are dangerous. So when we read the story of Daniel in the lion's den, there's nothing sweet about it. There's nothing nice about it. And it doesn't matter who you are. Uh, that term, the lion's den, has been around for about 2,700 years. And even outside of faith circles, church circles, people know that because that story just continues on and on. And there's a lesson in that, how to survive in the lion's den. And the reality is, to some level, if you're a Christ follower, and if you're not, this, you have to understand this, when you decide to follow Jesus, when you say yes to Jesus, it doesn't mean life becomes all sweet and wonderful, and if you get thrown into a lion's den, you can just pat the little baby lions and all that kind of stuff. Uh, you will find that often you are in a lion's den. You're going to find that the intensity of that changes but being in a lion's den is kind of standard operating procedure. And if you go back and reflect on the storylines of Daniel, you'll see that, yes, that was the ultimate in the lion's den. But from really day one, from the destruction of Jerusalem, from being taken as a captive and all that goes along with that, Daniel is in a lion's den constantly. 
So we live in a time where we've got to get good, better, at living in a lion's den. We have to expect it. It should not be a surprise. It shouldn't be something that we celebrate and run to, but we have to understand we can't really run from it. But when we're in our lion's den, and some are uh, for a season, and some are for life, and some are whatever they are, we need to learn how to navigate that and not have that throw us off. It doesn't mean it doesn't take our breath away. It doesn't mean it doesn't disturb us. It doesn't mean it doesn't make us weak in the knees. But you as a Christ follower, the songs we just sung, we can navigate through lion's dens. And really, I'm not a prophet of doom and gloom, but we are seeing things change in our country. And we need to understand that there may be some more lion's dens coming. We may be in a lion's den now. I don't know if you saw this newscast for a couple weeks ago. And again, if you're familiar with my preaching style, if you're new, I usually don't get into all of this. But but it it is a little bit of a warning that lion dens are possible. We've got that election in, in um, Georgia in January, so this is just going to continue on for a few more months, right through Christmas, right through my birthday, and then maybe on the other side of that, we'll be kind of having some settle. But just uh, listen to this uh, news report. Also breaking tonight, Supreme Court Justice Samuel Alito has an ominous warning about the freedoms you hold dear being under assault during the coronavirus pandemic. It pains me to say this, but in certain quarters, Religious liberty is fast becoming a disfavored right. Supreme Court Justice Samuel Alito's Thursday night speech to the Federalist Society hit on hot-button topics from abortion to same-sex marriage as he highlighted wide-ranging COVID-19 restrictions and attacks on religious freedom. For many today, religious liberty is not a cherished freedom. It's often just an excuse for bigotry, and it can't be tolerated. In Washington state, a Christian pharmacist who was ordered to provide the morning after pill, which he viewed as a violation of his deeply held pro-life beliefs. And the Little Sisters of the Poor, a group of nuns that has for years been fighting the Obamacare mandate requiring employers to provide cost-free access to numerous forms of birth control, including those the nuns believe equate to an abortion. As far as I'm aware, not one employee of the Little Sisters has come forward and demanded contraceptives under the Little Sisters plan. Alito also warned about burdensome COVID-19 restrictions, keeping many of the faithful from attending their houses of worship, while casinos and large department stores remain open. Legal experts note, in unprecedented situations like the pandemic, there will always be tension between individual rights and the public good. The analysis that we go through every time this happens is that we don't want uh, this to be an opportunity for government overreach and for infringement on civil liberties. So we live in just uh, unbelievable times. And that's not to scare you. It's not to unnerve you. It's just to, to, to make you realize some of those things. And some of you are very aware of that. And it's to, to, to be able to find balance and to be able to navigate through the times that we live in. And somehow Daniel, in a society that was difficult. When he went to high school in Babylon, he learned all kinds of witchcraft and all kinds of crazy stuff. That was a part of the curriculum. We're not even close to that, thank you. But the idea of all of that is that we need to be able to say, not weak in the knees, not overly angry, 
we need to respond like Daniel. And if a young teenage boy can lean into that and navigate that from teenager to 80s, you and I have the same hope that we can navigate through it. It's just, it's just, it's just amazing, his story. So how do you and I, in a sense, stand out in a politically charged nation? How do we stand out as Christ followers? How do we walk through that? How do we take lessons from Daniel? I think there's a lot of lessons that we can learn from him. First of all, Darius decided it would be good to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom. Over these satraps were three officials. Daniel was one of these officials. The satraps were to report to these three officials so that the king wouldn't be cheated. It said that Darius was an administrative genius. And so as he looked over the kingdom, as he looked over how to rule it, how to navigate through it, he he was just a genius. So he set things into motion. And again, Daniel, in his late 70s, 80s, when this is all unfolding, Daniel is able to stand out. He's been through a lot in the kingdom. It's, it's amazing that he's still even alive. It's, it's, it's super surprising that he's alive and that he's functioning. But here he is, and he has something to value, and Darius wants him as a part of the administration. And eventually, we're going to see that he wants Daniel, really, maybe even to be second in charge. So when you and I learn how to stand out in a politically charged whatever or a COVID world, we can learn how to navigate through that, not so that we personally just survive it, but so that we thrive, and our thriving really gets shown by the way you and I are to point to God. And at every intersection of Daniel's life, beginning to the beginning, he knows how to point to God. It's amazing. We can learn from a teenager who grows into an old man. But it's obvious to all of us that when you and I have an opportunity to stand out, expect others to tear you down. This just isn't uh, true in, in the greater world. This can be true in churches, too. It's, it's a terrible thing. We have this sense of jealousy within us. And when someone else does good, when some of us stands out, we take notice, and often we want what they have. And uh, we want their prominence, we want their paycheck, we want their success. And we have to work really hard, even as those of us who have said yes to Jesus, to celebrate the wins in somebody else's life and not to find out all the negative things and end up actually uh, resenting him. So Daniel's in this place. Uh, He's standing out, and you expect others to, uh, again, tear tear you down. We also read, so the other officials and satraps tried to find something to accuse Daniel of in his duties for the kingdom. But they couldn't find anything wrong because... They couldn't find anything wrong, uh, and because he was trustworthy, no error or fault could be found. 
These men said, we won't find anything to accuse this man, Daniel, except finding it in his religious practices. Wouldn't that be awesome if that could be said of me, of you? That nothing can be found wrong in our lives except in our religious practices and what that refers to, except with our walk with God. If they're going to pick our lives apart, they're going to say, wow, that guy follows Christ too well. That person really owns their faith. That person has an integrity that uh, nobody else has, and and that bugs me. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing? Daniel, still at 80, not a grumpy old man, soft heart, soft towards God. (laughs) They say, there's nothing. There's nothing wrong with his taxes. There's nothing, no cheating. There's no gossipy. there's There's just nothing there to find. This isn't in your notes, but if you're not ready to face opposition for following God's lead, you're not ready to be used by God. So if you want to be used by God, you're going to find resistance. Now, now let's go on record. If you're a jerk, don't blame your, your jerkiness or the resistance caused by your jerkiness on God. Oh, I'm following God. I'm getting all this resistance. We've met those folks. Sometimes we've been those folks. The resistance is coming because of the way we're living, what we're doing, how we interact with other people. But if you're following God, and again, this doesn't mean anyone is perfect. None of us are perfect, but we're in that path. We're following God, and we want to be used by him on any level, in our families, with our kids, with our grandkids. It's just not the big grandiose things. And the everyday stuff, we're going to find opposition coming from somewhere. And why is that? We've already really hinted to that, and we've got three whys here. Uh, The first why is the practice of competence at work. And this is this idea that Daniel did his job well. I'm sure he showed up on time, might even come in a little bit early, gave his whole heart to it. Uh, wasn't playing on his cell phone during work. Uh, he wasn't doing all these other kinds of things, checking his personal email, whatever you say. He was competent. He was engaged with work. And that is one of the reasons he was outstanding, the reason he stood out. Not because he, you know, had, you know, you know, bumper stickers all over his car, nothing wrong with that. Didn't, you know, you know, wear the T-shirts that said, I love Jesus, you know, and all those kinds of things. Yeah, that's all great. That's gravy on the, on the mashed potatoes. But the real thing is that he was competent at work. He gave it his all. And people knew he was competent. He was so known that Darius wants to make him one of the three and maybe the one. Also, this idea is personal character on display. His claimed values were his lived values. His claimed values were his lived values. Ooh, I don't like that. Especially as a pastor, I claim a lot of values. The most scariest thing about being a pastor is I tell you all how to live, and I better be at least trying to live that way. I don't have it all down, but I at least need to be moving in that direction. So my claimed values... Thus saith the Lord, better be showing up in my lived values. And we know that our greater world 
hates hypocrisy. Hates hypocrisy. And some of the reason people have given up on churches, have given up on Christ followers, is because there's hypocrisy in our blood. And we need to watch with that. We need to purge that out of our lives. And uh, the reason, again, Daniel was able to do this is he had a public commitment to God, which was a reflection of his internal life. I want to tell you, make sure your external reflections of God really reflect the inside. Make sure your external expressions of God are the tip of the iceberg, not everything and there's nothing underneath saw this video a little while ago where these ice climbers found this iceberg and they thought it was great. I don't know if you saw it on Facebook. And they jump off this boat and they start climbing the thing and they didn't realize that the bottom really was non-existent. And all of a sudden the thing starts to roll because there was nothing underneath. You see big splashes. I always wondered what happened to those guys. Couldn't find out. But you see them like climbing and the thing's going over and in the water they go. There was no substance. His public commitment to God was just the icing on the cake of his life. His life had substance. And you don't get that overnight. You get that with years of regular, consistent, monotonous sometimes, regular practices, habits. Last series we talked about some of those things that are catalysts for uh, spiritual growth. And so these are the three whys. I mean, you could come up with four. You might be able to come up with two or whatever. But uh, competence at work. I remember when the girls got their first real jobs, in a sense, uh, at the hospital. I said to them, as nurses, all you need to do is show up on time with a smile and do what you're told. And you will be like star nurses. And they were. No attitude. Be nice even when you don't feel good. Just work. And, they, you know, they're 24, and they've been nurses now, RNs, for, I think, four years. And, and, and I think it, it, they, they, they smile even when, they, when life stinks. And, and we need to do that. That's not being disgenuine. If you work in retail, you know that no matter how much your head is pounding, if you can stand, you're like, hi. That's what you do. You know, work well. You, you get the idea. But you're better off to obey God and suffer for doing right than suffer for doing wrong. Oh, we can't stand the injustice of suffering for doing right. Can't stand it. I can tell you the story one time I got spanked. Some of you are familiar with this. Dad spanks me. And he spanks me good, and afterwards it was discovered that I hadn't done what he, I'd been accused to do. And uh, I thought I had my dad over the barrel. Dad, I didn't do that. I was not bad. You know, I was good. You know, and he, that's like, uh, Dave, this week, has there been anything in your life where you should have gotten spanked and didn't? Maybe two or three. I think you're still ahead. Don't worry about it. I was, I was like, come on. I was one of those kids who got spanked before breakfast, after breakfast, mid just all the time, always into something. And look what would have happened to me if I hadn't uh, done those things. So. so the idea of, you know, Daniel's in this place, uh, the administrators, satraps, they catch up, they set this thing up because they are going to say this is the way to trip him up. 
And it works, as we saw. Daniel is uh, found out. He's doing his normal thing. And uh, they put this decree out there. And we need to realize that when we're in these situations, when we're navigating these situations, a part of the answer is kneeling to pray is what gives you strength to stand. Kneeling to pray gives yourself strength to stand. And I've really admired three times a day with Daniel. I haven't got that down totally, but he stopped and spent time with God three times a day. It wasn't prayer on a fly, which is nothing wrong with that. Isn't that great? You could be zipping around town, doing something, and just phew, phew, start, drop some, shoot out some praise there. God is listening, and he's aware. But it's so much sweeter when you slow down and focus in on him. We've talked about this before when we were going through the last series about keeping some kind of record of the things that God's laying on your heart, journaling or whatever, a sentence. I've shared with you uh, probably most days I go back to what I read and wrote down once or twice during the day. I'm trying to get this, and again, it's not a magical thing. I'm trying to not just feel good about having my devotions in the morning and then forgetting it all for the rest of the day. What, what value is that? really. I mean, it has some value. So I love the fact that he spent time with God. It wasn't in the kneeling. Sometimes I like to kneel just because it puts me in a kind of a, a humility position. Uh, the men of us, some of us who get together to pray on Friday, we, I start off on my knees and about halfway through I get up on the seat. No lightning comes down and strikes me. That's okay. God understands. My back's killing me. But you get the idea. It's the idea of praying and that's where his strength comes from. It isn't that he knew some, all the stuff. It's because he walked with God. He relied with God. And so what does Daniel do when he discovers this edict has been made? He goes back and he does what he's always done. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed to his God. He had always praised God this way. He kept that routine going. He kept walking with God. What happens in those processes? I think you remember how God has been faithful. When I spend time with God and start rehearsing his goodness to me, it reminds me. And so when I think he's being still, silent, we just sung about that, not involved in my life, and I'm a little ticked off at him, I go back and I remember his faithfulness to me. And I'm going to challenge you. Each one of us can at least find one, two, three, four, five, six, a few things where God has been faithful to us. And I can remember some of those times I was scared, scared, and God was faithful, scared. So, you know, I had that fall, and they're putting me on the helicopter to fly me up to Strong. And there was a minute that the, the EMTs thought I was also having a heart attack. <laughs> it's all in this. And I go, I think my heart's just beating fast because I just fell, and, you, you know, all this stuff. But they were concerned about it. And then all of a sudden I realized I might not see my family again. So very quickly, uh, Cindy was there. Mariah was there. The girls were off. The twins were off to camp counseling somewhere in New Hampshire. And I just made sure that I said some nice meaningful, not making my wife cry and get all nervous that I loved her because I knew I might not be able to say that again. I didn't know. They were, I mean, they were like, beep, 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 you know, 
And then they put some fentanyl in me, and woo, it was great. I flew myself then to Strong's. <laughs> Again, we've already talked about this. He connected with God three times a day. Not a magic number. You may need six times a day. Some of you need ten times a day. Well, you know what I mean. Connect with God. Not just prayers on the fly. Isn't that wonderful that we can do that? Isn't it wonderful that I can text my wife, Cindy? But if my relationship is just built on texts, even though they communicate, there's going to be problems. Sometimes I say to Cindy, why can't you just tell me what you want to know, and I'll just text a yes or a no? Or tell me where I'm supposed to be. You don't need to tell me all the details. I'll just show you. I, I don't want all the extras. But those extras are part of relationships. Also, he knew the outcome was greater than any risk. When you and I live a life that stands out, there are going to be risks. Daniel lived risk after risk after risk. I mean, those kingdoms where you didn't get fired by a tweet in those kingdoms. You got fired by, you know, getting your, losing your head. You're fired. Off you go. You're, you're done. And he lived through all that. Lived through the intrigue and says he was a man of character. It wasn't because he was manipulating everything. He, he actually lived what he claimed and he walked through that. But he also knew, he also knew that, that it might not turn out the way he would hope it would turn out. But he was okay with that. We'll see a verse in a couple minutes that talks about that. But he knew the risk was worth the outcome. Aren't you happy there's been some people in your life or over the history of, of our world that have weighed the risk because the outcome was worth it? Just last week, or this week, was Veterans Day. Men and women knew the risk outweighed everything. They stormed those beaches. They knew the risk outweighed everything. There's been fathers, and I say, and mothers of the faith over thousands of years that have seen the risk but knew the outcome, the possible outcome, was well worth it. Sometimes in the own homes we grew up in, our, our parents laid everything on the line. They risked something so that the outcome could be better. Real quickly, I got this from uh, Rick Warren, I think six choices that uh, Daniel could have had. First of all, he could have accepted the law and just fake prayed. You know, he could have gone in there and worshiped just, I'm not really praying, nobody knows it, ha, 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 ha. He could have done that, but he doesn't do that. He could have publicly protested with picket signs in Nebuchadnezzar's day, or in, in me, Darius's day, that would have been in seconds his life would have been over. Could have got the sign, gone all around. I'm not saying that's not right. I'm just saying, in this case, it wasn't the right thing. Daniel didn't think it was the right thing. So maybe in our thinking, sometimes picketing isn't the best thing. I don't know. You have to think about that for yourself. He could have appealed privately to the king. He could have gone up to Darius afterwards and said, hey, Darius, you know, this is really a bad idea. I can't do that. And, and we don't see anything going on like that. Again, 
not right or wrong, just he could, he could have done that. Uh, he could have just stopped praying to God for 30 days. He could have just said, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to do my normal routine. I'm going to keep the windows shut. I'll, I'll just get in bed and pray. But, but no, uh, it was symbolic for him to pray and look towards Jerusalem. That's where the temple was or used to be. That's where worship of God took place. I mean, again, it's just symbolic, but it was a heart thing. There are all kinds of things you and I do that are symbolic that, that help enhance our focus when it comes to our spiritual life. Those are okay, as long as those don't become the rules and, and don't become elevated to that's what it's all about. It's about God, not, not these kinds of things that help us. He could have done that. Uh, he could have just kept praying in secret. We've talked about that. He could have done that. Or he kept, could have kept praying as he had done. And that's exactly what he did. He just kept doing his routine. He said, you know, I'm a God follower, and uh, I've been doing this for 60 years, 65 years, and I'm just going to just go for it and see what happens. And sometimes that's a good thing. What, what determines his reaction, or let's say his response, is his relationship with God. Because if you lived in China today, there are some things you should do and some things you shouldn't do. And I would not have the nerve, the arrogance to say, it's okay to meet in secret. Because if you don't meet in secret, you're, you're, you're murdered. You're dragged off to internment camps. So again, this is all based on relationship with God, walking with God. There's some individual expressions of that. Just don't go with a crowd. Know in your heart. Listen to different arguments when it comes to some of this stuff. Listen to the other side. Sometimes I read uh, books uh, from people that I consider are almost a heretic because I want to know how they think. I want to know how to answer them. I'm not scared of that stuff. I'm not worried about reading that book, and all of a sudden it's going to change. Oh, I read that book, and now I'm not a Christian anymore. I, I'm not really worried about that. But you've got to wear, be aware of the whole world. Again, he gets found out. You know the story. Jumping down to another point. When you stand out in the right way, and again, the right way is crucial. Circle that, circle that, circle in the right way. Lots of people stand out in the wrong way. When you stand out in the right way, you can always trust God with the results. And Daniel actually lived and could have died on this principle. If you go all the way back to his three friends in the fiery furnace, we'll just jump down over to there. We read, if you throw us, this is his three friends. We don't know where Daniel is. He was on some tour or something, running something else. If you throw us into the hot furnace, the God we serve can save us. And if he wants to, he can save us from your power. But even if God does not save us, we want you to know, King, that we refuse to serve your gods. Teenagers, wow, 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 wow. Daniel knew that. Daniel, I'm sure when he got together with his buddies, maybe they were all living, maybe some had passed away already, he's in his 80s, they would review that story. So he trusted God, that God would do the right thing. He had that confidence. So what are we to do with all this? 
have a few ideas of the benefits of standing out. And I purposely said standing out because sometimes standing up sometimes is almost like in your face. I'm standing up to you. I want to be able to stand out. A little different flavor to that. So five benefits of standing out for God. First of all is you have a freedom from fear. Daniel had a freedom from fear. I'm sure he wasn't like running to jump into the lion's den, but, but, but he, he, he does, doesn't come across as afraid. And you say, well, they didn't include that part. I could go to other places in Scripture and show you where the character, weakness of character, is on total display for us to read about. So the Bible doesn't pick and choose. Oh, this is a good story. Let's leave that part out and, and put this part in so our, our star, our hero, looks super good. No, no, it, it's honest about that. There are, there are chapters, if I had been writing the Bible and wanted to kind of like uh, push through a movement and convince people to be God followers, I might leave like some stories out of when a king failed or when this happened or when that happened. So he has freedom from fear. Fear is uncomfortable, but it won't kill me. Fear is uncomfortable, but it won't kill us. We have to realize that, it, yes, it, we get uncomfortable. We're, we're not, not feeling good about it. We're, we're, under, we're, just, we're just aware of it, but it's not going to kill us. It's not going to kill us. Rick Warren says, fear, spelled this, this is not on your notes, but fear spelled is the F stands for false, the E stands for evidence, the A stands for appearing, and the R stands for real. False evidence appearing real. And how many times can you look back at your life and see where you were afraid of something and something appeared real to you, but it wasn't real, it was fake. Freedom from fear. We also see that uh, fear grows when I give into it, but lessens when I move against it. Ever been afraid of something? You start to kind of like push through it. You find that the fear has less a grip on you. The more it preoccupies you, the more you dwell on it, the more you think about it, the more you give into it, the larger it becomes rather than the smaller. Also, the benefit is that uh, we open up for God to show up. There's this opening. Daniel, as he, again, follows God's lead, story after story after story, it just makes it God showing up. Some of us button up our lives so tightly, hunker down so tightly, that we, in a sense, don't give God room to show up. We don't want the bad press for God. Some of us do that out of nobility. Sometimes I've told you this before. Sometimes I go to a, 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 a place and I'm praying for someone and I couch my prayers a little bit because I don't want to say too great of a prayer because what if it isn't answered? Uh, what if the person does pass away? What if this illness is worse or, or whatever? What if it doesn't work out? So I kind of go, well, if, you know, and I kind of, oh, you know, because I, I just don't, I'm just, I want to defend him. I want to be on the other side of it. But when we open up, when we stand out, God shows up. On and on we can talk about it. We can talk about things about someone this week was talking about the church and moving from here to there, building, and how all that worked out. And they took a step of faith, and God 
showed up. But if they hadn't taken that step, we could still be worshiping in that smaller building with less opportunity for more people and all those kinds of things. But because people took a step out of faith, God showed up. doesn't mean you test him. It doesn't mean you do stupid things so that, so that he has to kind of come and bail you out. There's a little bit of a difference to that. Also, we see that it encourages Christ followers. We look at Philippians and we see that when you and I are standing out, it helps others to stand out. We, we're looking at Daniel. His example helps us. It encourages us. That's one of the reasons it's important to be a part of a community group. Sunday morning isn't enough. Or at least a part of some other people that are moving in that direction. So as you share life together, as you talk about things, you encourage each other. It's not a solo sport, this thing called faith. Also, it inspires the the unconvinced. We see how Darius is like blown away. If we go back earlier, we see how Nebuchadnezzar was blown away, how God showed up. You want to change our world? You want to change our world? You don't like the way the world is going? Become a standout Christ follower. And then your life will start to touch other people's lives. And then as hearts change, the climate of our world, our community starts to change one heart at a time. Also, there's this idea that it touches eternity, and that's forever. When you and I stand out, it's just not for the moment, it's just not for today, it's just not for next month, two years from now, five years from now. It touches eternity. Heaven actually delights as we stand out for him. Also, when we stand out for him, it doesn't earn our way to him because Christ gave his life freely. We don't earn our way. He died. He rose again. Paid the price for our sins. But it, when you and I stand out, when you and I are faithful, that faithfulness somehow shows up in eternity. Probably for Dave Spencer, that means he'll get an iPhone 1,000, you know, the latest model of iPhone. I know, just kidding, just kidding. There's some way that it shows up. Faithfulness is rewarded in heaven. It's rewarded in heaven. Again, Matthew talks about that. You can read that in your notes on your own later on this week. So, the bottom line is this. We, you, can stand down. Or you can stand out. And in times like we are living, your neighbors, your friends, your family, our community, our state, our nation needs Christ followers that are really standing out. Would you pray with me? Father, it's a huge responsibility. And that there are moments where we don't want it. We just kind of want to live to ourselves, live in a holy huddle, live our own quiet lives. We want to live under the radar. But I would ask you, one day at a time, you would help us who have said yes to you to become standout Christians like Daniel was. And as we live that way, we can 
change our little worlds and have ripple effects into the greater world. Father, if there's anyone here this morning who has not said yes to you, we ask that as you stir in their hearts, even in this moment, if you're doing that, that they would say, yes, I want to follow Jesus. I want to give my life the best way I know how. I accept his work on the cross, his resurrection, the best way I want, I want to follow him. We ask that you would help them to have that strength to do that. So as they start to follow you, immediately they can start to touch the people closest in their lives, standing out for you. We thank you that you're patient with us. We thank you that you forgive us. We thank you that you're in process with us, relationship with us. None of us are so far gone that we can't start going in a different direction towards you. We thank you for that gift. We thank you for that forgiveness. We ask that we wouldn't take it for granted, wouldn't walk all over it, ignore it. Help us to be those kinds of people. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. This time in our service, I would like to thank you for your continued giving and generosity, sacrificial giving. Really appreciate that. Uh, you can do that online, uh, safe and secure. If you're a guest this morning, you also you can do that boxes in the back, mail it in. Uh, those li um, listening online, we just, uh, we just appreciate that. If you're visiting with us, uh, we just hope being at the service has been a gift to you. Uh, no obligation to do that. If you're visiting from another church, please don't forget your home church. That's where your gifts and offerings ought, ought to go first. But we appreciate that. Um, just a couple other things I need to remember. Um, first of all, uh, again, use connecting cards if uh, you, you um, need to talk with us. The electronic ones, what are great about that, you can even do them on your phone, and you can get right in contact with us. It's right on the front page of the website, down the bottom. You can click on it and fill out your information. And